best story we ever heard, right? Praise the Lord. And uh, would you open your precious Bible tonight? We're going to try to finish this message. We started this morning in the gospel according to Mark chapter 2. While you're doing that, Mark chapter 2, I want to remind you, I appreciate your prayer. Uh, We'll be having a consult on Wednesday. Uh, My MRI, of course, they found this polyp up there. And uh, we want to get rid of it. So I don't know what all that entails. But we've had a couple folks in our church that's had this very same thing done. And so, uh, depending on who you talk to, it could take... Three weeks to recover could take three days to recover. Knowing me, it might take three months to recover. Amen? And uh, let's pray that it don't. I want it to be a couple of days. I really don't want to be out of the pulpit or anything for all of that. And so, uh, but I will tell you this. I do want my smell and taste back. So y'all pray that this will help me in that way. And I know everybody would be more happy for me for that, wouldn't you? I know my family would be, they would just be thankful not to have to hear about it anymore. Amen? And so I know that. Also, I want to remind you, I know uh, it's a little ways out, but uh, we'll be here this Sunday, uh, of course. This is Sunday. We'll be here this Wednesday. We'll be next Sunday. But uh, April the 8th, uh, Laura, we're going to go in to see her parents in West Virginia. And August, what did I say? April? April. Wrong month. August. (laughs) August. That's quite a ways. A couple weeks, we're going to leave, and I'll miss a Wednesday. And uh, I will tell you, we're going to see her parents, but also we're going for therapy. And, uh, and we're going to have a little bit of time in the new river that I grew up in. And I just feel like those waters are calling and I need a break. And I promise you all this, you'll have a much better pastor when he comes back home after he's lipped all those smallmouth bass and all those catfish, I promise. All right. Mark chapter two. And let's look at verse number one. Here's what the Bible says. And again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. I love that. I I want to preach a message on that, that he was in the house. And straightway, many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much about the door. And he preached the word to them, and they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. When they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they lay down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately... When Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise. Take up thy bed and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. And if you remember, that's what I preached on this morning. I used that very last verse as the text. They said, We've never seen this like this before. We've never seen it like this. We've never seen it like this. We've never seen anything like this in our life. And uh, there was no status quo that was taking place in this building this day when Jesus was there. Now, I think it interesting 
And what I love about this is the very ones that, and I know I don't want to go over too many things that I talked about this morning, but what I love about this is the Lord basically was trying to tell these Pharisees, I am the Son of God. He said to them right here, no, I am doing this so you know that yes, there's no one here able to forgive sins but God, and you're looking at Him. Now here's what's amazing. They missed it. They didn't even see him. They didn't even know and realize because they were so blinded by religion. They didn't even know God Almighty was standing right in front of them. And the very fact that he could discern their thoughts, they should have thought something. The very thought, the very fact that he said, do you think it's wrong for me to say that their sins are forgiven? Because I'm getting ready to do something else. I'm getting ready to tell him to get up off out of his bed. He's going to walk. So which do you think's better? But either one's a miracle. And by the way, both happened. And they missed that it was the Son of God. Now, we see in this passage, we also talked about, you know, here this man, his life's just been changed. His sins have just been forgiven. He just got to pick up his bed and walk. His whole life has changed. I couldn't imagine anybody getting upset because good things happen to somebody. But you know what? I've learned. I hate to tell you this. And I think y'all know this. It's a sad day, even in Christianity, when someone rejoices in somebody else's failure. It's a sad day in Christians' lives today, and even in churches, when someone glories in the fact that someone might fall or fail. But you say, Pastor, it doesn't happen. It does happen. And it's sad. I would not want to be lined up with this group that they would say, who are you? A great things happen and all they want to do is be a professional fault finder like a stick in the mud. But at the same time, after all of this took place, here was the statement that they said. We've never seen it like this before in our life. And that was our message. That's what we talked about this morning. We talked about never seeing something. And I kind of brought that out as fashion. People have different fashions. You know, it amazes me in that today, what people call fashion. What's in style? What's people wearing today? You know, and I went through my life. You can tell, you know, older, if you're in the 70s, you had them big polyester ties with them great big knots. Then in the 80s, you know, we got a little bit more sophisticated. Them little old knots just became strings. They were little skinny things. And then we got them squared ones. And then you know what's amazing is just hang around with fashion. When something runs out of style, just hold up because it's going to get back in style somewhere down the road. Oh, did you not know, Mark? It's back in style. No, I didn't know it ever went out. Oh, oh no, it's okay to wear that. You know, back years ago, uh, all the ladies in West Virginia, they, they, everywhere you went, ladies wore pantyhose. Everywhere they went, they wore pantyhose. But now, in times today, nobody wears pantyhose. You say, well, why? Fashion changes. By the way, I think some women would say, I shouldn't say not all women wear them. But I, I would say today, you say, well, Pastor, why wouldn't you do that? Well, some people say, you know what, it's just too hot to wear them. But I'm just saying this, people look at things as a, as a fashion and they say, I'll tell you right now, we ain't never seen it like that. But now that we're in 2022, I just going to have to share this with y'all and y'all know that's true. I don't think I'm shocked at seeing anything at this point. <laughs> now, if you shock me, I'm shocked. 
Because we've seen so many things. I mean, I won't, you know. I've got something in my mind right now as I was thinking. We were on vacation and I was sitting there going, wow, that's new. That's new fashion. And I, I said that very same statement. I ain't never seen that go together before. That's what they're saying here. So look, we've never seen. And then in context of the church, have you ever heard somebody say, well, I'll tell you right now, Pastor. Well, I'll just tell you this. The only thing I just don't like about it is we just ain't never done it like that before. And that's what they're saying. So we've never seen anything like this before. And so really, these four men were fashion setters. They set some things in, 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 set things in motion here, and we don't even know their names, but they set some new fashion. And I'll talk to you about it. They set new fashion in their faith. When you read this, the Lord said, I, I'm going to forgive you of your sins because of their faith. He's seen their faith. So they set a new fashion. I'm telling you right now, they believe Christ had the cure for this man. They believed that this man, they knew that he couldn't do anything about it himself. They had complete faith in Christ. And how convicting to us. We say, oh, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what. Now the Lord can help you, but here's what we do. But. Well, the Lord can help you, but. Y'all ever say that? You ever hear that? Well, the Lord can help you, but. No, you just need to stop. The Lord can help you. Stop right there with the but. The Lord can help you. I believe that. I believe all a man's problem is a spiritual problem. This world, this country, this society, this culture would be much better if Jesus was prevalent in it. So they set a new fashion by their faith. We talked this morning, and this is what I stayed mostly on. I'm going to be honest, it was the most convicting to me. They set a new fashion by their concern. Because I'm going to be honest with you, church. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm sad to say, and, and I can't, you know, you don't ever use the word like always and never. But there is a large percentage of Christianity today that is heartless. It's become heartless. I mean, it absolutely has become heartless. It has become competitive. It has become jealous. It has become non-caring. And here's my point. We're living in a day now where it should be a give me that children should honor their parents. There should be a give me when families are concerned about other family members. But we're living in a day now where even family members aren't even concerned about family members. So how in the world do you expect us to have concern for a complete stranger? We're living in those days. We're living in those days where, look, the concern for people that we should have concern for, we have rationalized it in our minds. We have gotten callous to the fact that there are people that truly need us to care. Amen. Amen. I've learned this, Brother Schreeder, and I know you and your wife know this, and I understand that cultural boundary, I, and I don't understand it like you do, but I, I, I feel you. I want to pray about that because I understand I had a gentleman come to me tonight and even this morning say, I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to reach people in a certain place. And, and sometimes uh, there is a barrier there. You know, there's a barrier. But I, I've learned this. Everybody speaks compassion. If somebody knows you care about them, they know it. Yes, yes. They know it. 
They know if you care. And sometimes it's not even what we say. It's just that people know we care will break a, a hardened heart. No doubt. So they break. I mean, I said they set a new fashion in concern. You know what we need? We need a good old fashioned revival and just good old fashioned concern and care and compassion for people. And where do we get that? We get it from the Lord. Because let me tell you something. You know this as well as I do. Not everybody's lovable. Not everybody is worthy of our love and compassion. But I want to tell you why we should be have concern for people. Because Jesus does. Amen. He loves them. See, if you ever get the goal, I'll tell you right now, he don't deserve nothing. Well, neither do you. Neither do you. Let's just be honest. Neither do you. Neither do I. My sin put Jesus on the cross just as much as that man sitting in prison that is doeless. Same sin put him there. See, we like to categorize sin. So I tell you right now, and I make the statement, we all ought to be assets to society. We should be assets. We should be in the positive column. But I want you to know something. God loves even the ones that aren't in the, in the positive column. And I'm just going to be honest with you. It's tough. It's tough. I'm sure Brother Lofty, he works in a prison system. And I'm sure that every day he really is walking and talking amongst the pillars of society. They're really not the pillars of society. They're in a jail cell. They have, they have committed crimes and maybe very heinous crimes. But here's what's amazing. The very God that loves me, loves them. And so if I only try to love those people for who they are, I'll never love people. Amen. I have to love because Jesus loved them. The love of Christ constraineth me. So they set a new fashion in their concern. They did not excuse themselves and say, well, we feel sorry for you, sir. We know you've been pinned up in that bed for all these years. No, they just didn't say, we feel sorry for you. They didn't just say, we'll pray for you. They did something about it. Y'all hear me, church? They did something about it. So they set a new fashion in their concern. They set a... New fashion in their faith. Can I just say this? This was really convicting to me as I was reading this passage. They set a new fashion in their effort. I'm going to tell you all right now. The, the, average, the common average effort that most churches put out today, that man would have never got healed. Because first of all, they'd have decided it would have taken them six years to figure out whether they're going to tear that roof off or not. Just being honest. In most cases, I'm not saying every case, but in a lot of cases, they would have decided they would have they'd have had to run that thing through everything under the sun just to get the thing to figure out whether we're going to get that man lowered down to see Jesus. But I want you to know something. Not only that, they put effort in because I'm going to tell you, I don't know about y'all. Y'all ever laid shingles? God help us. If you ain't ever laid shingles in the middle of the summer. You're a blessed person. That's work. It's hot. It's awful. It's nasty. And I've learned this. Anybody that ever laid shingles, they sweat. There's effort in that. Um, it was so hot at the funeral yesterday. Man, that place was packed. Like I said, I've never preached to that many people at a funeral in my life. I mean, that, that church was packed. And it was hot in there. And as I was standing back there on the platform, I mean, Brother Allen was preaching the final message at the funeral. Man, I mean, he was just pouring the sweat. I mean, just pouring the sweat. I could see it. 
coming down his neck, going around his collar, his collar. And I, I, I thought about this. You know, if we're going to do things right in, in the Lord's work, I'm going to tell you all what it, it's, it's hard work. It really is. If we do it right, it's hard work. There's effort in serving God. Y'all know as well as I do, we've got some tiring weeks throughout the year at the church. BBS is a very tiring week, but I want to tell you something. It's a blessed week for many reasons in our church. But they set a new fashion in their effort. In other words, they just didn't, hey, I want you to know, they worked at it. They set a new fashion. So my question is this, what can we do more? What can we do more? Serving the Lord in our life. How can we train our children to have a desire to, to, to serve the Lord? I've said this often. We have certain meals and certain events and certain activities throughout the week and throughout the year. And I'm just, I'm, I'm going to throw this out to all of you parents. If you want to help your children to work and to be in the asset column and teach them that there's nothing like the work of God, then let them, teach them, make them, show them to pick up chairs, help set up for an event in the church because they will become, that will just become second nature to them when they get older. Takes effort. I have never found a church yet that has been put on autopilot that's doing great things for God. It takes people, it takes sweat, and it takes work. I mean, they, they busted a hole in the roof. So they tore it up. They break it away. That took effort. That took time. But obviously it didn't take them too much time because, man, they got them there. They knew the urgency of this thing. And I just want to say to us as a church, look, we need to understand we've got to put the effort in. And I'm preaching to you just as much as you. I'm preaching to me just as much as you. If we have responsibility around here, how much effort are we putting in it? If you have a job, if you have responsibility, if you have something that people are counting on you for, what kind of effort are we putting in it? It matters. It really does. It matters. Because you know why? Somebody's got to pick up the slack. Because it's going to get done. It's going to get done. I mean, I've learned something about this church. It gets done. We get there. But they set a new fashion in effort. Just for instance, I, I, and I'm not, I'm not scolding our church. I want to tell you all something right now. We got a working church. I went back there tonight and I looked at that piece of paper and I had no anxiety about it. I looked at that paper and I thought, I have a feeling that that paper is going to be just about filled up because I know our church. And you know what? There might have been, and I'd say they're filled up by now, but I think I only seen like two or three blanks and all that stuff that was needed for food. And I thought, we have a group of people that understand the importance of putting effort in trying to be helpful to people. And I want to just say, I know everybody's busy. I know everybody's busy. I know everybody's got children. I know everybody's got responsibility. But I'm just going to be honest with you. People do what they want. There is arrangements. There is things that people can get involved in. They can do. And it doesn't matter if you work 48 hours a week or 60 hours a week. I'm just telling you. There are things that all of us can do that we can put effort in to be a part of the work of God. Because there's no greater work than the work of God. The effort that we put in it. And by the way, 
Yes, it's physical labor, but I'm going to tell y'all what more strenuous effort is in spiritual work. Y'all know as well as I do. It's mental. It's mental work. It's mental work. It is spiritual warfare. For instance, if you're going to decide, hey, I want to be a helper in the children's church program on Sundays. Well, then you get ready because I'm going to tell you something right now. You're going to be tried mentally. You're going to be tried spiritually. The fight is going to be spiritually. It's going to be mentally. Because why? You're trying to bust through the darkness with the truth. And the gates of hell is trying to fight you from doing it. They would love for you to stay defeated. They would love, the devils and the demons would love for you not to ever shine your light anywhere. So it's a mental struggle. Someone I used to before I got, and I know I've shared this with you, but look, I worked at Honecker Lumber. I worked at Lowe's. I threw 94 pounds of semen up on my shoulder. I worked, look, eight, ten hours a day. Look, I know what all that's about. And by the way, God bless any of you that are working that kind of thing. I was younger. It'd kill me today. But I'm going to tell you all something right now. I ain't never been more wore out in my life than on Sunday nights. And boy, I'm telling y'all right now, when I was young and just started working for Pastor Altizer, I'll never forget going home on Sundays and man, Pastor would be wore out and I'd be saying, oh, I don't know why he's all tired and everything. I said, he's only preaching. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh, oh. And then I'd go home and I'd say, I'll tell you right now, I'm doing more than he is. I'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off. And I go up here and I know. Boy, the Lord knows what we need, don't we? I ain't never been so wore out in my life, mental struggle, spiritual struggle. It's real, church. So we got to set a new fashion in our effort. We got to push through. We got to trust the Lord. We got to just keep on keeping on. And by the way, if you're just like me, here's what happens we get discouraged. Here's what we think nobody's listening. We ain't making no dent. We're not, we're not helping anybody. But you know what? I was so thankful. A, a, a lady just this morning, I'm passing, just come up to me. And, and she didn't have to. But she encouraged me. She said, Pastor, I just want you to know. And she gave me a little story. And then she said, I just want you to know, when you think nobody's listening, they're listening. Amen. That was a shot in the arm. And I want to say that to y'all. I don't know where you're at tonight. I don't know how discouraged you've been with a class, with the nursery, with, with kids for Christ, whatever you do on the bus. It doesn't matter. I just want you to know something. You're making a difference. Your effort's worth it. They set a new fashion with their effort. But then I want to just close with this. They set a new fashion in their results. For the first time. This fella could walk. That's what he longed for. He needed help. He needed something that he realized he could not do for himself. Four men had courage. They had faith in God. They had enough compassion to stop sitting around talking about it and do something about it. And they got this man to Jesus. And the very thing that they trusted the Lord for happened. They set a new fashion in results, for the first time, even greater than this man walking, he walked out of that building that day with his sins forgiven. I don't know about y'all. How many of y'all know your sins have been forgiven? Boy, isn't that a blessing? Because I'm going to tell y'all right now, I, I, I've not always been a good old boy. I guess all of us has got skeletons in our closet, don't we? 
There's all things in our, on every one of our lives. We've got things in our life, life, lives, past, present, and possibly future that we're all ashamed of. And boy, see, that's what the devil loves to do. He loves to keep you underneath the penalty or the power of that guilt of sin. And I want to tell you something. It causes people to do things that they normally wouldn't do if they really realized they were free. Jesus Christ sets us free. And boy, tonight when I lay my head on the pillow at night, not because I deserve it, not because I've kept the Ten Commandments, not because I've been baptized, Listen to me, I want you to know something. I don't deserve heaven tonight, but I'm going to tell you something right now. I know I'm going because Jesus Christ has paved the way for me. And I know he loves me with an everlasting love. And I'm thankful that the thing that I needed from him many, many years ago, he has produced. I needed him for salvation, but oh, so many times since that day that I needed him for salvation. I've needed him for peace. I've needed him for joy. I've needed him for help. I've needed him for hope. I've needed him for strength. And he has always produced. He's always been there. He's always been there. So I want to say to you today, Jesus works. How many of y'all believe he works? How many of y'all glad you've been forgiven of your sins? Don't you know the devil would love to keep you underneath that thing? Look what you did. See, that's what he always does. He brings up things. You ever notice he brings things up? Like, I know Brother Robert, he's not here tonight, he's working, but Robert's big into music. And not only is he big into music, he knows everything about music. If you want to know any song from 19, probably 1950 to 19, up until now, he'll tell you where it was. Who, I'm just telling you, that's his thing. But I, isn't it amazing that you can hear a phrase of a song or a word of a song, and it might take you back to some place where you have made some failure in your life. You ever, ever notice the amazing power of what sin does? How so quickly it can be recalled back into your mind. And the devil loves to say, look at you. There's where you are. There's where you were. That's what you did. See, I'm glad, boy, when this man walked out of that room because of these men's faith, because of their effort, because of their care, because of their concern. This man walked out of there that day. He looked at the devil. He said, don't tell me anything about my past. Let me tell you about your future. There ain't nothing like knowing your sins have been forgiven. Been set free. My sins have been blotted out, I know. They've been cast as far as the east is from west. What sin? I think of that old song, I can't remember, I, uh, in the courtroom. And it talks about where uh, there I stood in the courtroom and, and the, the judge was there and God Almighty was there and the devil got up and started talking about how bad I was. He said, about that time, my Savior, Jesus Christ, stood up. And he stood in my place and said, I paid for his sin. I want you to know something. We should never get over that. I want you to know, they set a new fashion result. And you know what people need? You know what people need? You really know. They don't know they need it, but you know what they need? You know what people's problem is? They need saved. They need to know the Lord. They need to understand what it means to be able to walk out of a building and know that their sins have been forgiven. Because see, the devil loves to keep them underneath the bondage of that thing. See, I'll tell you right now, they said a new... And by the way, every time someone gets saved through the ministry of this church, that's what we've just done. Our effort 
our concern, our faith has created. God, He will give the results that we've prayed for. God will give the results that we've looked for. God will give the results of ultimately someone getting saved. And their sins being forgiven. How about we be some fashion setters? It amazes me now. And I'm going to close. It's, it's about six till. Now, I'm being honest with you. I shared this with you. I'm just going to speak frank with you. If I get a call about the church, I'm telling you right now. I'm just telling you straight up. I guarantee you five out of ten calls that I get, they will mention dress. Five out of ten. Maybe more. They want to know what the dress. They want to know what the fashion is in our church. You know what I tell them? I say, come on. Come on. But you know what I think people ought to get a little bit more concerned about? It's setting a new fashion in their faith. Setting a new fashion in their efforts. Setting a new fashion in their concern for people. See, when someone calls and asks them, like, you know what they're concerned about? They're concerned about them. We ought to be concerned about others. We ought to be concerned about, Lord, what can I do to be a part of your work to see people's sins being forgiven? Y'all ever been present when someone gets saved? I'm telling y'all right now, it is a blessed thing. When someone realizes that they've been lost and they're on their way to hell, and they realize a good God loved them enough to die for them and save them, if they will put simple faith in Christ, when the Holy Spirit of God convicts them, and they put simple faith in Christ, what a change. I could use many, but I... Y'all pray. There's, we have several folks in our church sick right now. Miss Deanna and her family's one of them. But I couldn't help as I was preparing for the message. I thought of Corey. Corey was coming and attending this church. They were, they were reached from our church from, a fam, from our fall festival. It was before we went into the building. We had uh, a thing out here with candy and trunks and all that out here in the parking lot. And they swung by one day and they were introduced to our church. And they, and, and by the way, we don't do that anymore. We have a family fall fun day over, um, it's a family fall festival. We have it over the gym. You know, that's a big day. We, we have anywhere from three to 400 people come through there. We have jump houses. We, it's, a, it's a blessed day. So I encourage all of you to get involved in it. We're going to have it this year. It'll be in October. But that's what was reached. That's how we reached. So they came that day and they just brought Lincoln. He was little. They were looking through things. Well, they, she got under conviction. They started coming to church. And they came for months. And one Sunday night late after church, boy, old Deanna, she calls her. She's crying. She's like, Pastor Mark, can you and Miss Laura come over to the house? She said, Corey's under conviction. He ain't saved. He needs to get saved. And boy, that was the best house visit we ever made at 11 o'clock at night. She said, he ain't going to bed till he gets his thing right. Boy, it's good to have a bossy woman. Amen. <laughs> hey, 
And boy, we got over there, and I'm going to tell you something right now. And I thought about this. You said, oh, Pastor, it was so good you was able to go over there and lead the Lord. No, I thank God we have a church that's it's set in a fashion in their faith. I'm glad we have a church that's set in a fashion in effort. I'm glad we have a church that's trying to set a fashion in concern and care. And I praise God we're seeing and trying to see God set a fashion in the, in the direct result of people getting saved and growing in the Lord. So you know what I say to us, church? Let's keep on keeping on. Now let's do it together. And let's love on each other doing it. Amen. How many of you love your church family? We ain't done this in a while. Before we leave tonight, I'm going to close in prayer. How about you find four or five people tonight before you leave? Now you can't leave. You can't leave. Now some of you that don't like to talk to nobody, I'm telling you right now, you can't leave. Till you find four or five people tonight and you just let them know, hey, I want you to know I love you. I thank God for you. I'm so glad I'm a part of this family. How many of y'all think y'all can do that tonight? Think you can find four or five people? You can't find four or five, just find one. Find two. But let's encourage, and who knows, maybe the very person that the Lord directs you to just needs you to say it. Let's stand to our feet tonight. If you're here tonight and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, He loves you. He has paid anything and everything that needs to be paid for you to go to heaven. Your sin separates you from God, but praise God, that's why Jesus Christ came. He paid for your sin. And by faith... You can trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, and that faith will justify you. And I'm telling you right now, when you meet the Lord, you know it. And He will save you from the guttermost to the uttermost. If you need help with that tonight, you know we're available. But I don't know about y'all. Are y'all interested in setting a new fashion? Let's do it. Let's pray together. Maybe the Lord spoke to you about something. Make your pew a, an altar. You know this altar is always open. Let's spend a few minutes in prayer and ask God to help us to receive everything that he's given us today. Help us to act upon it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. Lord, I'm so thankful for these four. Lord, we don't even know their name. Just the only description is that he was born by four. In other words, four men. Four Might have been a woman. We don't know. Four. Like you call them the big four. They changed the world. They changed lives. And Lord, because of their fashion setting and their faith, their effort, their concern... Lord, our lives is being challenged tonight with this act many, many years ago. I pray you will convict us, help us. Lord, help us to quit talking about how we feel sorry for people and do something about it. Because, Lord, I've learned concern and compassion trumps all languages. Everybody speaks that language. I pray you'll tender our hearts. Help us to be tender and caring and compassionate just like you are. 
We ask it in the precious name of the Lord Jesus. And all God's people say it. Four or five people. God bless you. And Sunday school meeting. Remember the Sunday school meeting.